when you go in and look at the state of the building, the physical state of the building is one thing, the state of the tenants and to see like, who are those people that you're going to be contractually bound to once you close on the property. Like I've walked away from multiple deals just based on the tenants. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. So this is another episode with Stephanie, our beginning investor who's now a recurring guest. And we're going through her journey um, that went from being a complete newbie in the field to closing on a first investment property. And um, in this episode today, we're going to cover what it's like to begin to analyze deals and then what it feels like to throw out those first off. <laughs> or are you already already giggling? There's going to be like a lot of <laughs> a lot of emotions attached to this. Yeah. Um, so Stephanie, just you know, introduce yourself super quick, and then let's dive right in. Okay. Hi. Thanks again for having me on the show. Um, like Terry said, my name's Stephanie. I just closed on my first deal. Throughout this journey, I realized that there was a lot of emotions attached to the steps involved in this journey. And I just wanted to highlight them here and try to be a relatable resource for the listeners who are just starting off. Thank you. Great. Um, all right. So let's, uh, you know, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, beginning to build a team. Uh, who are the mem team members you need? How does that create accountability? And then, you know, the famous breakup conversation that everybody has early on in their career with the, the broker, <laughs> breaking up with a broker. <laughs> um, and then now we're, we're into deal analysis. So yeah. you guys, you know, started working, you got your pre-approval from a mortgage broker. You started working with, um, you know, a real estate broker, an investment real estate broker. And then now you're crunching numbers and analyzing deals. And so tell me, like, what was that like? Um, also an overwhelming process. Uh, it started off really exciting because before when we were analyzing deals, it was just for fun to see like, oh, what's out there? What are the cap rates? What are, you know, just going through those different metrics. And now it was real, you know, like one of the properties we were analyzing could have been ours. Now we have to think about, are we going to put in an offer? If we do, how much do we put in? Also, we knew what our parameters were. We knew how much we could put down. So we knew what our budget was and that helped a lot when um, looking for deals. Um, like I said, it was kind of overwhelming because you need to, I guess, starting off, I don't like, I know theoretically what the metrics are that I should be looking at, but it was hard to tell, like, is this a good value? Should I, is this worth it? Like this property has some issues with it. Like, can we overcome those? There's just a lot of stuff that I felt like I didn't know going in. And I think having that, the real estate broker that was helping us, just having that resource and someone experienced walk us through it and give their opinion on what's good, what's bad, like that's helped a lot. Definitely a key element in our journey because starting off, you don't know what you don't know. And it just helped a lot to have someone be able not to call those shots but to be like yeah no i wouldn't even touch um a loft like a building that has um four units but they're all um bachelor units like there's a lot more turnover on that if we wanted to get a management property they're less likely to take us on so there's just some things that we hadn't thought about that the our real estate broker was able to help us with mm -hmm. 
And so, okay, so that's maybe like analyzing, um, cause there's, there's two phase, two aspects to deal analysis. And I think this is important. Like, I think a lot of the, the real estate training, uh, is very numbers heavy. Okay. And it's normal because most people are not used to, um, looking at financial statements and doing financial projections for buildings. So like, for sure, that's a big, there's a big learning curve there. And like, maybe, um, you know, let's save that for a little bit later on in the discussion. But, you know, initially, I think there's also the building related factors. And this is where the you don't know what you don't know is important. So like unit size, um, what particular kind of maintenance issues are there being able to read a seller's declaration, understand what's a no go, what is some kind of a problem that you might be able to solve. So there are all those like on the one side, maybe there's like, let's say building related factors. And on the other side, there's just the financial analysis. And I don't know if if maybe in splitting those two things apart, what was it like for you guys to like first interacting with financial statements? Like was that easy? Was that anxiety provoking? Like what feelings were associated with that? Almost like frustration. I, a lot of it, a lot of the numbers that we needed weren't listed. So you always need to be able to talk to your broker and get those details that are not directly in the listing, like on our side of it. So I think communication definitely helped and sharing the properties that we were potentially interested in and sharing that with our broker where they can get all those numbers that we needed. Yeah. So building, I mean, so building out the financial model, like, and I think this is, you know, for again, newer investors who, um, you know, maybe there's in the expense column, right? Like maybe there's like 12 vacant spots in the expense column. And so like the, the listing broker didn't put anything for insurance or they didn't put anything for management or they didn't put anything for snow removal. And, um, you know, the fact of, of talking to somebody, it could be your broker. It could also be just like another experienced investor who could be like, okay, you're looking at four to five plex. This is the rule of thumb. This is the industry standard of how much you should be paying. Yeah. And so like, if those expenses are not listed, um, this is what you, the number you should plug in initially. And if something's like widely out of whack, it mm -hmm. should also sort of be flashing. Like if you're looking at a, you know, whatever, four or five plex and the insurance policy is $10,000, like something's wrong there. So, yeah. you know, that giving some kind of way like to benchmark that. Um, and then as far as like building related factors, I think, you you know, you're, you're right as far as communication goes and understanding like what kind of issues you're willing to take on. Because I think if you're looking, for example, you guys are shopping in Montreal. If you're looking in Montreal, if you want to get a decent deal on something, there's going to be issues. And then the question becomes, okay, what are the issues that you're willing to take on? tenant related issues, maintenance related issues, where do you feel like your value add is going to be? And, you know, the kind of gut check of going through and being like, okay, well, I think maybe like I'm willing to put in some elbow grease with the management side of this, or like maybe, you know, I come from a construction family. And so like, I'm not so worried about niggling construction issues because I feel like something can back me there in terms of evaluating how bad are the issues. Any, you have, we have anything else you want to share on that matter? I was just going to say that um, even though we were aware of some of those, another point that I found difficult was just estimating how much money we would need. So if um, we knew of an issue, like um, like there's a leak upstairs, like I don't know how much those things cost. There's so many things that I just don't know. And how am I supposed to properly do my deal analysis and know if this building is actually going to turn me a profit or dig a hole in my pocket? I don't know. Yeah, that I found challenging as well. Um, but again, working with someone experienced definitely helped helped uh, ease those thoughts a little mm -hmm. bit and um, gave us a better 
um, idea of how much we would need to put in reparations and yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then how do you move from analysis paralysis to <laughs> let me sign my name to a deal that has all these zeros behind it? Because that's like a very scary moment for I think just about every investor is like signing of those initial offers. So like what, what was that like? That honestly, for me, I didn't find that part too bad because the process was just so quick. We found a property that, well, if I, okay, I'm going to rewind a little bit because we had put in some offers Well, because you had said that we need to put in as many offers as possible and not to be scared of that. So going in, into it with that mentality, knowing that at any point, like I can back out, like you said, that there were different clauses in the offer where we can back out like that was reassuring. Sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place. But yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, like, definitely like, so to understand that, like, you know, an offer, an offer is just an offer. Yeah. And I think that like, when you come into this as like, as you know, somebody new, you take that piece of paper very seriously. And I think you take it more seriously than anybody else involved, right? Like the seller's not taking it that seriously. The two brokers, the, you know, the broker representing you and the receiving broker, it's just another offer, man. Like, you know, yeah. we draw up, I don't want to say like tens of those every year. And with the full expectation that, you know, 70% of them get refused off the bat. And the ones that yeah. don't get refused will fail. Like maybe, you know, for every 10 offers you make, maybe, you know, 20% look like they're actually going to move through the sale process. So, so like us as professionals who work in the industry, like we don't take them very seriously, but it it's getting over that hurdle initially to make offers and not feel like, oh, I'm going to have to buy this thing and I'm going to get, you know, straight jacketed into something and end up somewhere that I don't want to be. Enjoying the episode so far? Have you really been listening to the episode or has your monkey mind been taking you off in one direction or another? Our mental habits can be our biggest assets or our biggest liabilities as we pursue certain goals. For me, the biggest performance gains have always come from training my mind. In my book, Mindful Landlord, I talk about how you can train your mind and how you can apply some of these strategies to your journey in the real estate field. The book is available on Amazon and also on its website, mindfullandlord.com. Now I'll stop evangelizing for the power of mental training and let you get back to the show. Yeah. And I think the difference is that um, an offer for an investment property or like a multifamily building is so different than an offer on, let's say, a condo or a single family home. So going into it, I feel like a lot of people have that misconception that it's it's exactly the same. You put in an offer and you're just doing an inspection. If inspection passes and you get the building. But what I didn't realize were that there were all these conditions, like you get to look at the leases, you get to look at do an inspection. And if you are not 100% satisfied with any of those conditions, you can back out. So that was definitely reassuring once I put th that into perspective. And I also feel like we didn't always even get to the point of putting in an offer, like you, you get mentally prepared to put in an offer, but then you, the agent calls the other agent and you find out that there's already other offers. So again, that emotional roller coaster, but we had gone through it a few times so that when it actually came time to put in an offer for the building that we that ended up getting accepted, it kind of didn't feel like a big deal. And like I said, it, it happened really quickly because I don't know. I don't know. Why does it happen so quickly? It's just like we jumped on the opportunity and it got accepted the day later. And it was just like we were in the situation and there was no going back at that point. And kind of exciting, but a little bit scary, but more exciting. Um, yeah. But I mean, to me, that's, that is how it should be, right? Like, I think in terms of how human beings manage anxiety, right? Like that we have this whole approach behavior situation. And so like, for us, 
it can be very like intimidating to approach something that you're a little bit afraid of. But the more you familiarize yourself with being in that situation, the less anxiety provoking it becomes. And so the fact of just understanding that like an offer is just a piece of paper. And like you said, I think it's a really good point to mention the difference between, you know, putting an offer on a single family dwelling that you're going to occupy and basically like you visit it once and then you need to make an offer. And if the inspection passes, you're buying it. That is not the process of buying an investment property because the due diligence, there's so many more steps in the due diligence process and there needs to be. And there's like often also many more points of negotiation that are inserted in there because every single step of the way. So examining the documents, like if you're going to look at the leases, it's very rare. I would say 10% of the leases that I look at in my practice as an investor, as a broker, um, are done properly or done, uh, you know, according to my satisfaction. So like, it seems simple to just verify leases, but like, once you start sniffing around in there, there's like a whole bunch of stuff that can be done completely wrong. And that that gives significant loopholes that you kind of need to watch out for. So you're verifying the documents, you're meeting and you're looking at the tenants. And like, even though that's kind of a, like a soft, soft criteria, when you go in and look at the state of the building, the physical state of the building is one thing, the state of the tenants and to see like, who are those people that you're going to be contractually bound to once you close on the property. Like I've walked away from multiple deals just based on the tenants, nothing to do with the property, just who's living in there. And do I feel like I, I want to deal with those people and be kind of like, you know, handcuffed to them for the next five years. You can definitely walk away from that and, and be like, no. And, yeah. you know, same thing with the inspection, right? Like inspecting a condo, you know, once you've read what's going on with the co the co-property, like in the minutes of the meetings, like that's a kind of a simple purchase. Whereas like, if you're purchasing like a, a you know, a fourplex with four kitchens, four bathrooms, four water heaters, a foundation, a roof, brickwork like <laughs> there's just a lot of variables to look at and then there's a lot of things that you need to evaluate in terms of financially how much is it going to cost me to fix these issues and what issues am I willing to take on yeah yeah that's true and something else that I didn't know about making an offer is that there's timelines involved so you do have the steps to <laughs> look at the leases you have this you can go visit the property you can like do the inspection, all that stuff, but there's timelines involved. And for me, at first, that was comforting. I was like, okay, well, like I, I like having a plan and I know within the first few days I have to do this, within the next few days I have to do this. But then I started stressing because I was like, well, this is they're taking too long to get back to us. What do we do now? And then I relaxed again when I realized that those timelines can be pushed a little bit. Like if we have reason for delays, then you can push that out a little bit. So for anyone starting off like that, that was something that I didn't know that maybe um, beginner investors um, would like to be aware of that there are those timelines in place and they they are there to be followed, but can be flexible at times. And they're also, um, you know, structured in a, I want to say kind of a logical way, right? Like yeah. that probably you'll front load the examining of the documents and the visiting of the property. And so then after that, like that usually happens within, you know, two, three, four days of getting an accepted offer. And then you have two, three days to sit back and think about it. So, you know, you can go visit and it's not like you have to walk out of the visit and decide right away, this is what I want to do. No, you have like, you know, whatever, 24, 48 hours to sit down and think about it. And then the inspection is a bit further down the road. And then you're going to have four days to receive your inspection report back. Think about it, negotiate, because maybe you're going to want to, once you see who the tenants are, once you see the state of the building, like maybe you're going to want to negotiate stuff. 
Um, and so all of that kind of like follows a logical process, at which point, if you're not comfortable with something, you can look, get second opinions, extend delays a little bit, and that that is uh, somewhat flexible. Yeah. And uh, something else that I wanted to point out is that a lot of people think you just have to get lucky to find a deal. But what I've come to realize is that luck, I think, is part of it when you like find a, a hidden, get some hidden information that maybe no one else knows about. But I think it's almost like you have to create that luck for yourself. It's You can't just analyze one property and then just hope that it's going to work out. I think we analyze like over 50 where we ran the numbers. And like that could be discouraging as well sometimes because it's just such a repeated process. You you like get excited because you there's a new property on the market, you analyze it and it doesn't work out and you have to wait for new ones to come out and it's just like this this cycle of of emotions and it's just it's not really about luck, it's about going out there, analyzing it, pushing through the disappointments and um pushing through those feelings of discouragement. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that that's absolutely true. I think that, you know, good deals good deals for you are created. It's not a question of luck because the perfect yeah. deal in today's market doesn't exist. So you have to, in a sense, create it by uncovering things that other people don't know, by being willing to do things other people aren't willing to do, or seeing an angle that maybe taking on something that somebody else isn't willing to take on or doesn't have the skills to take on. And so I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. I think that like this, you know, sense that, oh, you just have to get lucky. I think that's not true. I think you do that by pounding the pavement, analyzing the data, visiting stuff. And then once you see something that you think might work for whatever your skill set is, where you have some kind of way to make money in that deal, then then that ends up being the right decision. Yeah. And I know you had some episodes on um, like analyzing um, the interest rates right now. And like a lot of people are scared of entering into the market at this time. But like, you just have to make it into an opportunity. A lot of people have asked me, like, oh, aren't you scared of the interest rates? I'm like, not at all. Like, this gives me leverage in being able to bid lower than the asking price. And like you said, you just have to create it. And so the interest rates never really scared me. It just got thrown into the calculations when I was running my analyses. And if it worked out, it worked out. If it didn't, move on to the next. Um, yeah, you just have to create it, find something that works. There's stuff out there. And so what was then the next step, right? So now you got your accepted offer. Now you're going through the due diligence process. What was the next kind of hurdle that you felt like you had to get over? Over. Just give us a preview. We're going to save this for the next episode, but <laughs> give us a preview. Just being, again, not knowing what I didn't know. There were so many steps after I got the accepted offer that I just wasn't aware of. Let's say finding the notary. Like I did not know at what Point, I had to start looking for a notary until everyone was asking me, who am I going to go with? And I'm like, I don't know. And then, yeah, there's just, there's so many things that I just wasn't aware of. And I wasn't sure how that needed to play out. So that was a learning curve as well. We'll get into okay. that next episode. We're going we're gonna to save that for next <laughs> time. Again, thank you for your honesty, your transparency of sharing um, your journey with me, with our listeners. And uh, hopefully if we can, you know, inspire someone to get over the specific hurdle that they're facing, we've done our job today. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. 
Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.